Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 24 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I am your host, Luke Algerson. You know how we do it. Five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's get right into it. Topic number one. We got to start it on some bad news, people. Unfortunate news at that if you're a college football fan, because this coming season, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have decided to cancel slash postpone football for the coming 2020 season. Let's start with the Big Ten. No football in the Big Ten. That's right, you Ohio State fans, Michigan fans, Michigan State, Wisconsin fans out there, Penn State, those are the big schools. Your teams will not be participating in full in football this fall. Just unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. At this point, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I I talked about it a little bit last episode with UConn being the first FBS school to cancel football altogether. I thought it was just a matter of time before more of these schools and conferences start to back out. The MAC, Mid-Atlantic Conference, that my alma mater, Bowling Green State, they are not playing football this year in that conference and I didn't think it would come to this, though, where these major, big-time, Power 5 schools, let alone an entire conference, is going to decide to back out. This came as, that was a little shocking to me. I would think the Power 5 would have the resources, would want to have a football season this coming year. But clearly, two of them decided otherwise. So with the Big Ten, uh, Commissioner Kevin Warren had this to say. The mental and physical health and welfare of our student-athletes has been at the center of every discussion we have made regarding the ability to proceed forward. As time progressed and after hours of discussion with our Big Ten Task Force for Emerging Infectious Diseases and the Big Ten Sports Medicine Committee, it became abundantly clear that there was too much uncertainty regarding the potential medical risk to allow our student-athletes to compete this fall. The Big Ten also announced it will continue to evaluate a number of options regarding these sports, including the possibility of competition in the spring. You know, I got to say, I like the idea of that, but how are they going to have spring football games in Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Indiana, Minnesota in the middle of winter? I don't care what anyone says. It's really nice to say it's spring. No, I went to school in Ohio. I know what it's like from the months of January till April. It is brutal. It is cold. It's snowing. It'll rain. It's windy. It's not ideal football weather. It might look nice to the viewer, but to play in that, I couldn't imagine how miserable it is. I find it very difficult that they can have a football season in the spring. I have a really hard time grasping it. Someone proposed an idea of it starts January, February time, kickoff late February, postseason happens in May. Uh, And that's another thing. Postseason is completely up in the air now with two conferences backing out of this coming season. Like, how are they going to even have a playoff? Will they even have a college football playoff at that? It just... I really thought it was only a matter of time, but this is going to definitely change the landscape of college sports for at least the foreseeable future. 
I would imagine if these big conferences aren't handling it, more smaller conferences will start to back out. You know, I, I think the Big Ten was just a big do- uh, Really, it was UConn. It was the domino that pushed everything over. And these bigger conferences elected that the health of their student athletes is important. And I think it really is. Imagine, I, we could say whatever we want about the death rates and the percentages of young people dying from this disease. You know, I'm, I hate the coronavirus like everyone else. And, you know, it doesn't scare me, though. I'm not afraid of it, to put it frank. But, and I don't think a lot of young people have died from this. I, I don't know what the percentages are. I'm not going to try and name it off. I'm not a doctor and nothing like that. I know the rates are low. But it would be catastrophically detrimental to a school if a student athlete happened to die from the coronavirus. And at this point, it's what... I imagine that's the biggest factor that came into it for the Big Ten and Pac-12. You can't have a student passing away after contracting the coronavirus from competing in athletics and passing away. It would would have huge ramifications for that school. It would be extremely detrimental to that program altogether, the university altogether. They would be scolded by the media for being for literally just focusing on football and getting their money from that. I understand it. I understand why they would back out and why the concern is there. And it doesn't matter how low the rates are. I don't care what the numbers are. One kid, if one kid at any program happened to pass away for after contracting the COVID-19, it, I couldn't imagine what it would do to that school. It, I honestly believe it would bankrupt them and they would have to no longer be an institution or it would they'd have to cancel athletics altogether it would it just i think it's too costly if something like that were to happen and that's why funny enough that these conferences that spoke out about having a union and making sure that medical things are decided the big i talked about the pac-12 in their we are united campaign big 10 was trying to do something similar and sure enough i'm sure administration was like, you know what? We can't accommodate this it's such a, in such a blink of an eye. No, we're just going to cancel it all together and we're going to move forward and work this out. So I feel really bad for the student athletes that don't get to compete, but I, I got to understand. You got to understand it. You can't take any chances with this. If one kid passes away from this, I think that university goes under. Their athletics will definitely go under. They'll be ridiculed by the media. They'll be scolded by society as a whole. It just, it's too detrimental for schools to take a chance. But ESPN reported that Big Ten presidents were ready to pull the plug on its fall sports season and determine if the other Power Five conference will fall in line with them. So one of them did. Pac-12, they agreed. They were like, you know what? We're not competing in fall sports either. And I'm not just talking football. The Pac-12 called off all fall sports. That includes basketball and everything else associated with nothing. They're not doing anything through at least the end of the year, through 2020. No sports will happen at Pac-12 schools. Your USC's of the world, your UCLA's, University of Utah's, University of Oregon, Oregon State, Wazoo, Washington. You know, big time programs. You know, I like. I know we like to diminish the Pac-12 when it comes to football, but they still get after it on the basketball court, I can tell you that. So, again, this is what they had to say about it, the health and safety and well-being of our student-athletes. 
and all those connected to the Pac-12 sports have been our number one priority since the start of this crisis. And they really do. You really got to think about the safety and health of your student-athletes. Again, you can't control college students all that much of force not letting them go party and things like that, doing virtual learning. They'll be at home, yeah. But when they have football surrounded by each other, 100 people plus in rooms, that's they're not going to be able to social distance on the sideline, not going to be able to social distance when it comes to those things. So uh, I really think it was the best decision, unfortunate decision. I was looking forward to the college football season. Um, but two conferences won't be competing in it. Impacted Pac-12 student-athletes will continue to have their scholarships guaranteed. The conference will also encourage the NCAA to grade students who opt out of playing this academ academic year an additional year of eligibility. Uh, that's great. Give these kids their money that they deserve for being a student-athlete and give them another year of eligibility. Who's it going to hurt? Oh, it hurts the recruit who's a freshman this year who happens to be attending this school. It's okay if the senior gets a fifth year or the fifth year gets a sixth year. I'm okay with it. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's something that they should do in helping out these students. Even if they do have a spring season, I think they sh should still give them a year of eligibility because maybe next year we can have a real college football season where conferences intermingle with each other and play against each other. You know, I, I'm a big proponent of that just because I'm a Notre Dame fan. I like having the rivalry with USC and Stanford and Michigan State and Michigan and playing Navy every year. I, I enjoy those kind of games that Notre Dame plays. They play a tough schedule. They were supposed to play, I think they were supposed to play Georgia this year and Clemson. Or they might have just been Clemson. I, I might be mistaken. But either way, you know, hopefully we get back to normalcy and I'm glad two of these conferences did the right thing and canceled football to look out for the safety and well-being of their programs, regardless of how much money they're going to lose. And it's good that money isn't the main priority here because, yeah, the student-athletes, I think, in both the Pac-12 and the Big Ten realize their worth, realize their value and how valuable they are to these universities and how much, they're actually, how much dollars they actually accumulate for these schools. So I think it's good that specifically these conferences of the Pac-12 and Big Ten athletes stepped up and said they want these benefits. They want to be, you know, treated a certain way. And then the conferences are just like, nope, we're not. <laughs> we're not doing it. Uh, is that coincidental? I think so. I think so. Because had circumstances been right, I think, and they still tried to go through with this, the student athletes, I think it would have worked out in their favor that, it that they could have had these things done. But... In uncertain times like this, these conferences should be taking no chances. That's what the Big, Big Ten and Pac-12 are doing. So I agree with these two conferences. And that takes us to topic number two. There are still three more Power Five conferences that do, in fact, plan on having a football season in 2020. That's right. ACC, Big 12, and SEC plan to play. They have not altered their plans to play a fall season despite decisions to postpone by the Big Ten and Pac-12. So with three conferences playing and two not, how are we doing the college football playoff? Is it just between the ACC, SEC, and Big 12? Uh, I guess. But again, I don't think they can have like a true false football championship. Like they, I guess they can call it that. I mean, frankly, they already are just going to vote the SEC 
in the ACC and a, maybe a Big 12 team in. But I feel bad for Ohio State, who had Justin Fields, who doesn't even get to compete in said college football playoff. But I think that's the bigger ramification. How's that moving forward for that? What's going to happen there? You know, but gosh, this really just makes me think that these conferences don't care about their student-athletes' well-being. Again, Trevor Lawrence came out and was very adamant. It's safer to play football than to back out. But I don't think he's the spokesperson of college football. Yeah, he's a really good player, but who who is he when it comes to the grand scheme of deciding how things should work? Like, I really hope the ACC is like, well, our our best player said we should play. I get, I guess we got to go through with it. Again, what if a Clemson player contracts it and dies? How are you going to feel then, Mr. Lawrence? I hope you would feel devastated because you pushed so hard for them to play a season. You just, whew. Ooh, you got you to gotta be careful. It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope if you continue playing. This is what Greg Sankey of the SEC had to say. I look forward to learning more about the factors that led the Big Ten and Pac-12 leadership to take these actions today. Uh, that was yesterday, August 11th. But today is August 12th. So, anyways, I digress. Um... I remain comfortable with the thorough and deliberate approach that the SEC and our 14 members are taking to support a healthy environment for our student-athletes. We will continue to further refine our policies and protocols for a safe return to sports as we monitor developments around COVID-19 in a continued effort to support, educate, and care for our student-athletes every day. Mm. I just... I just really am on the side of canceling the season. I mean, it's all good that you plan on playing again. And uh, Of all things today, guess who announced that they're having a football season? Big 12, they announced it. They're like, nope, we're going to keep going through with this. You know what? We're going to so much go through with it that we plan on releasing a schedule to you. Matter of fact, here it is. Let's take a look at the old schedule. What do they got here? They're supposed to kick off September 26th. So they're, I guess they're giving themselves a little time. Not a lot of time. Not a lot of time at that, but they're definitely giving themselves some time to get things started and figure it out and see what will happen. But mm, 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 mm. I just I really don't know how you can keep moving forward. I really don't. Like with two schools back and out, what? What could you possibly do? Obviously, all this is going to in-conference. That's how they're doing it moving forward. So like I said, September 26th is the start day for the conference play. Each team will have a minimum of two by, by dates, potentially a third by day late in the season. The Dr. Pepper Big 12 championship game is tentatively, tentatively scheduled for December 12th. All non-conference games must be completed before September 26th, and the matchups will be announced by each individual conference member. Stadium capacities will be determined by each member institution in accordance with local or state health ordinances and working with government officials. So just like that, boom. So the one they are going to have a 10-game season, and they said non-conference, but they only can have one non-conference game. 
They can only have one, and then the conference play starts September 26. Just it's not a lot of time. And who are they going to schedule? I guess they got to play. I really they got to play an SEC school. They got to go play an ACC school. I mean, that'll be a good matchup. You know, depending on who they play, I imagine some of the schools can make it work. Alabama isn't too far from Texas. You know, it may, I guess it makes it a little more difference if, you know, Texas had to go to Virginia or something or however they decide to break this up. But all these schools are, you know, it's kind of a far way if Florida happened to, like, Florida State or whatever school happens to go maybe to Texas or something. It's just there's a lot of thing, a lot of factors into it that just maybe it's not even worth scheduling a non-conference game and you just play all in conference, kind of bubble it, keep it within the bubble. Yeah, you might say they're traveling between states, but you could still bubble it. The MLB has shown that it is possible to do it as long as players are taking the necessary steps to keep themselves state safe. Unlike if you're a Cardinals or Marlins player who decides to go out to a casino or a night on the town, like an imbecile during these times, just you got to be smart. So uh, it's just just really wow. So at this point, I guess you know the bigger games to pay attention to. Uh, the State Fair, Texas against Oklahoma, will be um, October. Uh, yeah, October tenth. Um, I don't even know who else is supposed to be good other than those two teams. I don't really know of Texas Tech being really relevant. Maybe Baylor can have another good year. They play uh, Texas on October twenty fourth, and then Oklahoma is their final game of the year on December fifth. Uh, and again, how much home field really matters is, you know, capacity is not going to be full. Like, you're not going to Austin, Texas and going to play in front of a full stadium of Longhorn fans. No, you're, they'll be lucky to have fans. And at that, it'll be like 20%. It's not going to be anything too intense. So it's going to, football is going to be drastically different when we see it this year. But like I said, three conferences, they're going to play Play them some football. ACC, Big 12, SEC. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited for football to start. It just, it's like, hmm. It's just so weird now that two Power 5 conferences aren't playing, and it's going to be conference only. So, hmm. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an interesting college football season, I can tell you that. I'm looking forward to it, but it's going to be interesting. Hmm. Topic number three. The NBA playoff race is heating up. And no, not, not just the standings altogether, which we'll take a look at right now. And it's a, it's a tight-niche bunch, that's for sure. Tight-niche bunch. Yesterday, the Portland Trailblazers took the eight seed away from the Memphis Grizzlies. That's right, they're a half-game lead over the Grizzlies. So as of right now... Portland has the eight seed as they're 34 and 39. The Grizzlies are 33 and 39. The Suns are tied with the Grizzlies for that ninth spot at 33 and 39. And the Spurs technically bring up that 11th spot, but they're right there at the 11th with 32 and 38. Both just, all three of those teams are just a half game back of Portland with one game to go. That's right. 
There's only one game left in the bubble for each of these teams. The Portland Trailblazers play the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow at 9 p.m. The Memphis Grizzlies play the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow at 4 p.m. And let's see, who does Phoenix got? Phoenix going against the Dallas Mavericks tomorrow at 4 p.m. And the final team, San Antonio Spurs, will take on the Utah Jazz. So it's kind of interesting. I would say Portland's going to get the eight. They should beat Brooklyn. Brooklyn has been actually a nicer surprise than I thought they were going to be as they are 5-2 and two in the bubble right now and managed to hold on to that seventh seed. Thought Orlando was going to catch them, but they managed to hold on to it, so good for them. So it's not going to be an easy matchup. Portland should def all these teams need to go in the mindset that they need to win, obviously. But some of these teams might have a little favorable of a matchup. You know, will the Nets try? That remains to be seen. But Memphis playing the Bucks. Bucks have the one seed wrapped up. Giannis got ejected yesterday for headbutting Mo Wagner, which in a very bizarre play. So Giannis is definitely not going to be playing against the Grizzlies. So it'll be the Chris Middleton-led Bucks, but Bucks still have solid guys. Eric Bledsoe, too. Brooke Lopez. You know, they're not a weak team. There's a reason they're the number one seed. Obviously, Giannis is the MVP, but Bucks would still be a playoff team if Giannis wasn't there. So it's not going to be an easy matchup, but it definitely helps not playing against Giannis. For the Suns, Going against the Mavericks, Mavericks lost yesterday to the Portland Trailblazers after Damian Lillard scored a 61 points, watched the entire game. It was unbelievable. It was my favorite game in the bubble so far because no one could miss. Buckets were coming left and right. Again, Lillard, 61 points. First player in a season since Wilt Chamberlain to score 60 points three times. If you're putting up Will Chamberlain-type scoring numbers, you know you're doing something incredible. Damian Lillard did that. 61 points yesterday. And it, it was a back-and-forth game. It, was, it, it wasn't an easy victory for the Blazers. It came down to the final couple possessions, and Damian Lillard came through. Like he said, they wanted it more. 30, 134 to 131. It was a close game. Blazers won by three. So, but... The Suns, they go up against the Mavericks. Will the Mavericks even play Luka and Kristaps to get ready for a playoff run as they have the seventh seed secure? With losing yesterday, this game doesn't matter all that much because the Jazz officially secured the sixth spot and the Mavericks secured the seven. So will we even see Luka and Kristaps? Even if we do see them, will we see them in important minutes when it matters, when they could win the game, or are the Suns going to go an unbelievable 8-0 in the bubble. And it goes with the Spurs playing the Jazz. How hard are the Jazz going to try? Are, is Mitchell going to be there? Is he going to play? Is Gobert going to play? Is Mike Conley going to play? Are they going to have their key guys playing? It, we'll have to see. You know, every all of these teams have playoff spots wrapped up. But if it were to end with, if every team were to win, let's go, let's go with that scenario. If every team were to win, it would be Portland against the Grizzlies for that 8-9 matchup. And how it works for the 8-9, if you don't already know, the 8 seed, so it's already a favored, so it's like a best of three, but the 8 seed has a one-game advantage. 
So, for instance, if the playoffs were to start tonight and this little play series were to happen, it would be the Trailblazers against the Grizzlies. Trailblazers would only have to win once. Grizzlies would have to win twice. And that goes for whatever team happens to get that nine spot. So it's, it's going to be great. It's a big day of basketball tomorrow. Big day of basketball. I'm looking forward to it. I will say, though, I think Portland's going to get the eighth seed because I think they'll beat the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow. I, for some reason, think... <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be the Spurs. I think the Spurs are going to get it. I think Phoenix will end up losing tomorrow to the Mavericks. Maybe I'm being biased because the Mavericks are my team. It, again, it's all dependent on if Luka or Kristaps plays. If they don't play, then I would say Phoenix is going to win that game. And uh, uh, with all the tiebreakers and everything, they would be ahead of San Antonio and the Grizzlies. But Grizzlies play the Bucks, and I don't think the Bucks are any slouch, but then again, they might take their foot, take the pressure off them and not play Middleton all that much or not play Lopez all that much or not play Eric Bledsoe all that much. So it really depends on what these lineups are going to be looking like for the teams that they're going up against. Uh, will... Will the backups try? Of course. Of course they're going to be going out there going hard. But why, why do the Bucks care? It's a meaningless game for them. What, why, does, why do the Mavericks care? They already have the seventh seed locked up. They will be playing the Clippers. So as the standings sit right now, Lakers in the Western Conference, Lakers are the one, Clippers are the two, Nuggets are the three, Rockets are the four, Five is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Six is the Utah Jazz. Seven is the Dallas Mavericks. That's set. That's set in stone. It's not changing. That's what it sits at. So it's, it's up for grabs the rest of the way. Eight, eight and nine available. Four teams. I'm going to say, I already kind of gave my prediction, the Portland Trailblazers will play the Spurs. The Suns have been incredible to this point, but if... Chris Stapps, ah, it's so tough. You know, I'm not even confident. I'm not even confident with saying that because the Suns, they're seven and zero. They have yet to lose. It's it's been an unbelievable run for them. I kind of hope it doesn't end. It would be awesome to see them in the ninth spot because that was the only way they were going to make the playoffs. They had to go undefeated. It was the only way they were going to do it. They were the worst team in the Western Conference coming into the bubble. And they managed to jump the Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, and now have a chance on the final day of bubble play to get to the playoffs. It's an unbelievable run, and it's hard to get a bet against a team that can't seem to lose right now. And they haven't been fluke wins either. Like The, Sun, the Suns are doing their damn thing. Remember the game winner, Devin Booker over Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? They beat the Pacers. They beat the Heat. They beat the Thunder. They beat the 76ers. They beat the Mavericks already. When Luka and Kristaps played, they beat the Wizards. You know, that's not saying much about the Wizards, but I count one, two, three, four, five, six. Six of the seven wins came against playoff teams. 
that have, and a couple of them have championship aspirations if a healthy Ben Simmons was with the 76ers. Clippers are for sure a championship contender. Just, whew. I guess I'm going to change my pick mid-podcast, and I'm going to cheer for the Suns to get that ninth spot to play the Blazers. But with that being said, who's going to win that matchup? Give me the Blazers. Give me the Blazers. I think the Blazers are going to play the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round as the 1-8 matchup. But I'm changing my pick. San Antonio, I know, has been playing great. But I see if I see both teams winning, but with the tiebreakers, the Suns are going to get it. I think Memphis will lose to the Bucks tomorrow, regardless if Giannis is there or not. We're making bold predictions right here, people. We're making it now, right now. So Portland beats the Nets. Memphis loses to the Bucks. Phoenix will beat the Mavericks. San Antonio will beat Utah. But with the tiebreakers, Suns get the nine. Blazers, Suns. Eight-nine matchup that will take place August 15th through 16th if that second game is necessary and the Blazers don't win the first one. Boom. There's my pick. And then the playoffs will be set. And that's how we're doing it. But before I just, you know, don't tell you the Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference is set, too. Eastern Conference is ready to go. Bucks have the one seat. Raptors have the two seat. Celtics, three seat. Miami Heat, four seat. Pacers, five seat. 76ers, six. Brooklyn Nets, seven. Orlando Magic, eight. You know, the, the best matchup right there with Ben Simmons being out, you know, I was going to say the 76ers, Celtics, but really it's the Heat against the Pacers. You know, we already know the bad blood between Jimmy Butler and T.J. Warren, who's going off here in the bubble. So that's the best matchup in the first round. The Magic have no chance against the Bucks. Maybe with Giannis being out, they might take a game, but they're not winning the series, not even coming close to winning the series. Same with Toronto against Brooklyn. Brooklyn's been nice. They got five wins in the bubble out of seven games, but they have no chance of beating Toronto. And now I honestly think 76ers have no chance of beating the Celtics. So I would say best matchup, 4-5 matchup. But playoff basketball, it's now, people. It's already started. Let's get it going. I can't, mm, 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 mm. The NBA. NBA playoffs in August and September and October. Never thought I'd say the day. Never thought I'd say the day we would crown an NBA championship in October and be playing the playoffs in August and September. It's unheard of in these unprecedented times, but that's what happens during the pandemic and the year 2020. Topic number four. So with the bubble, the NBA is doing actually a pretty cool thing. All bubble teams. That's right. They're going to have a first and second all bubble team. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're going to name an MVP after uh, for the seeding games on Sunday. They're going to do it. They're announcing uh, a bubble team, and I'm going to give my predictions on who I think the bubble team uh, should be. Who are the guys most deserving of being all bubble team? You know, they've been only playing games there at the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. So we'll start. 
with the bubble MVP. I don't think you can look towards anyone else at this. It's Devin Booker. The Suns, I spoke on it just last segment. They're 7-0. and They have yet to lose in the bubble. It was the only way they were going to make the playoffs is if they won every game. And they've done exactly what they were supposed to do. And they've been led by one of the best shooting guards in the league and a super underrated player in Devin Booker through seven games, averaging 31 points, 4.6 rebounds, 6.1 assists. He, like I said, he's had the game winner against the Clippers. He's been the main focal point of the offense throughout. Just He has scored 35 points in four of the team's seven games and at least 30 points in five of them. He's shooting 50% from the field and an eye-popping 94% from the charity stripe. He's leading, obviously leading them to an undefeated record like I've spoken on. He is 100% going to be the MVP. Even if they don't win tomorrow, he's still going to be the MVP because he got them this close to the postseason. Put the team on his back, though. The team on his back. So that brings us to the all-bubble teams. Again, Booker. Obviously, belongs on first-team all-bubble. You know, I just stated his case for being the MVP. You got to put him on the first-team all-bubble. So there's automatic. Second guy, Damian Lillard. I spoke on it before. 61 points yesterday against the Dallas Mavericks in a shootout. Man could not miss. He was shooting from everywhere. He was driving left and right. The pick-and-roll with Nurkic was working to perfection. He just... He's one of the best scorers in the league. Yeah, he's averaging 37 points, 4.4 rebounds, 9.3 assists. Again, had 61 and 8 yesterday. And Portland, Damian Lillard said he was going to sit out and possibly not play if he wasn't given a real opportunity to make the playoffs. They said, here you go. Here's your opportunity. Go win games now. And he's done just that. He's a, they've won five games as well. They have been getting after it. They, they had a tough comeback loss against the Boston Celtics. They lost a heartbreaker to the Clippers when Damian Lillard missed two free throws. But they have won every game other than that. He's had a 45-point outie. He scored 51 and, again, had 60. He went from 51 to then scoring 61 after Skip Bayless talked trash about him and said he wasn't clutch. Mm. They leapfrog Memphis for that eight spot. Yep, the man, Damian Lillard, Dame Dalla, belongs on first-team all-bubble. The second guy, Luka Doncic. You know, he's only played six games out of the seven, but in those six games, he's averaging a triple-double. Not just some measly little triple-double where he's just, you know, getting a few points, just a shade over 10 rebounds and a shade over 10 assists. No, 32 points, 11 rebounds, 11.1 assists. And don't forget about the most absurd stat line of the bubble so far. 36 points, 19 assists, 19 assists and 14 rebounds. Just, mm. what Like, if he's putting up those numbers in the regular season, he's winning MVP hands down. You know, he's doing what Russell Westbrook did in a full season, but he's averaging more points. It's just, they haven't been great. They haven't been great as they've only gone 11-4, and four, but they've won some, 
they've only lost close games. They've just they got to learn to finish. They're a young team. You know, they're going to figure it out in time. They're going to be true postseason contenders in a few years, I think. But, you know, he's still too young. But, again, he's just been absolutely incredible. He scored 34 or more in three of his six games, enduring double-digit rebounds in three of three out of six, and recording double-digit assists in all but one of his outings through the restart. He's been unstoppable on a tear. He 100% belongs belongs on first team. It shouldn't even be a debate. Shouldn't even be a debate. Fourth guy, the next biggest surprise of the bubble besides Devin Booker. And you could even say this guy has been more of a surprise since Devin Booker was an all-star this year. Yeah, Dame missed it because of injury, but Devin, but this guy stepped up and was traded from the Suns. TJ Warren, and remember, the Suns traded him for cash consideration. They did not believe in him. And this man is going off. 31 points. 31 points a game in the bubble. 6.3 rebounds. Two assists. He scored a 53-piece in a game. He got them, the Pacers, off to a fast start. They held on to that five spot. Four and two in the restart. And, he, and it's not like he's just gunning. And he's shooting a poor percentage. No, 52.4% from long distance. He's going off right now for the Pacers. You got to include him. Definitely belongs on the list. He's been incredible for them. It just didn't see it coming. I got to tell you, didn't see it coming. The numbers are just insane. Just... You just got to go look at the highlights. I'm watching him right now, and just he's gone off. He went 9 for 12 on three-pointers in one game. He's hit big shots. He's just he's breaking hearts out there and shocking a lot of people, and I still can't believe Phoenix got rid of him for cash consideration. Cash consideration. And he's a, even, you could say it's kind of a fluke right now, he's still a 20-point score a night. He could still go get you 20 a night. He did that just in 2017-18. I, I just can't believe they just dumped him off for cash. Just, and don't forget, as a sophomore at NC State, he led the ACC in both scoring and field goal percentage. He's the scorer. He's an automatic bucket. I just I can't believe Phoenix gave up on him so quickly. So way to step up, TJ Warren. And then the final guy. On first team, uh, you got to give it to Giannis. You got you to gotta put Giannis on there. 27.8 points a game, 12 rebounds, 4.2 assists. You know, he's, a Greek, he's the Greek freak. You'd like to consider someone else to be on there because he's obviously going to win MVP, probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year. He's at least my pick for that. He's going to be first team all NBA, going to probably be first team all bubble too. He uh, has 30-point double-doubles in four out of the six outings, the only uh, exception being a 16-minute outing against the Brooklyn Nets, but he still shot seven of eight from the field. Just, mm. And again, even playing against the Wizards when he got ejected yesterday, he collected 12 points, nine rebounds in 10 minutes before he head-butted Mo Wagner. Uh, you you got to just – he is the Greek freak. He belongs on there, great player. He's been unbelievable. Team two, all bubble. First guy, 
I'm going to talk about the surprise first. Michael Porter Jr. That's right. The one-time high school phenom and surprise first-round pick of the Denver Nuggets back in 2018 has finally, finally stepped up after being injured the early parts of his career, and they've been shorthanded. Jamal Murray has missed some games. Will Barton's out. They've missed some key guys, and he stepped up and showcased that he might be able to develop into a really, really nice player. Again, averaging 23.8 points a game, 9.2 rebounds, 1.5 assists. The, the scoring has been there. He had a career-high 37 against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't see it coming. But he, not just a 37-point game. The following game against the Spurs, he had a 30-point game in which he shot 11 of 19 from the field. And then against the Trailblazers, you know, in a close game that the Trailblazers ended up winning, he had 27 points, 10 of 18 from the field, 12 rebounds. Against the Spurs, he had 15 rebounds. Against the Thunder, 12 rebounds. Even against the Jazz, he went, went 23 and 11. Yeah, and he didn't have the best game against the Lakers. He didn't get the minutes that he had gotten in the other games. He only played 24 minutes, but still 15 points, 6 to 6 from the field, 3 to 3 from long distance. He just, he came out of nowhere. And I thought he was injury prone. I really hope he can stay healthy and prove that he's deserving to being on this Nuggets team. And if he progresses like he should and moves up as people expected him to, I think the Nuggets can be a championship threat two years. Two years. They got Jokic, Murray. If Porter Jr. can step up and give you 25 a night, like they're already a dangerous team. They're already the third seed in the West, so you already got to watch out for them. But if he can put up those kind of numbers, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Watch out for the man. He's going off. Second guy who's put his team in a great spot after not thinking they were going to get there, DeMar DeRozan. 21.7 points a game, 4.4 rebounds, 5.6 assists. He's been the leader of the Spurs. They've gone 5-2. and two. They're right there behind the Suns, Blazers, and Memphis. Again, they were a team not a lot of people believed in with Aldridge going down. It was people didn't believe in him. They wrote him off really quick. 31-year-old playing some great basketball since the restart. I would say he's definitely a top 10 player to these seeding games as of right now. He's trying to keep that 20-year playoff streak alive. You know, the the huge games haven't been there, but still. He scored 27 points against the Kings. Again, averaging 21.7 points a game. He's been great for the Spurs who needed him after Aldridge went down. They've had a couple other guys who've stepped up nicely in Rudy Gay uh, and Devontae Murray, but DeRozan's been the big reason why they're in the position that they are right now. So DeRozan belongs on there. Next guy, Jason Tatum. Started off terrible. Started off real poorly against the Bucks, but then since then has been nothing but spectacular. He's averaging 22.4 points a game, six rebounds, 3.7 assists. Celtics have gone five and two here in the bubble, have won four in a row as they near the playoffs. They're the three seed. He has made four or more three-pointers in four of his seven starts and is shooting a ridiculous 44.9% from long distance. He's been great. He's been great for them. He's a huge reason why they could be a threat in the Eastern Conference. I really think there's only three teams that can come out of the East. 
Bucks, Raptors, Celtics. And the Celtics need, need Jason Tatum to play like an all-star. They need him to. He's their best player. They still got three other guys who can put up 20 a night with Kemba Walker, Gordon Hayward, and Jalen Brown. But this team will go as far as Jason Tatum will take them. Now, I firmly believe it. So, Tatum, keep doing your thing. Keep doing your thing. Final guy who deserves recognition for a team that I can't believe is here, but Karis LeVert of the Brooklyn Nets. He's shooting. He's playing great. Yeah, again, I didn't think the Nets were going to be anything. They again, Durant's down. Obviously, he wasn't going to play. Kyrie was down. He isn't going to play. But Spencer Dinwiddie wasn't able to play. DeAndre Jordan chose to skip out uh, after testing positive as well for the coronavirus. But yet, despite all that, Levert has averaged 22.6 points a game, 4.6 rebounds, 6.2 assists per game. Just going off. And the Nets went 5-2. and two. Again, I, I really thought that Orlando was going to catch them for that seventh spot. But Brooklyn said, nah, we're still going to get it done. Levert, big reason why. So tip your cap to him. So team one, team one of the bubble team, Dame, Luca, Booker, Warren, and Giannis. Team two, Harden, DeRozan, Tatum, Michael Porter Jr., and Levert. Played great. It's been great basketball. I've loved the bubble idea. It's fantastic. It would be very unfortunate if they had to go into it for next season. But if they got to do that, and at least at that point I can keep watching basketball, but I I don't want them to go in a bubble because I want to go to an NBA game again. So, But the bubble has been great so far. Final topic that I want to get to. Playoffs are going on in another sport. That's right, people. Hockey, NHL, and they're playing, they're playing playoff hockey, people. Let's get it. Playoffs. So the uh, 24-team tournament has concluded. Five-game qualification round series, round robin, seeding ended, and now we're into the real playoffs. 16 teams, uh, and it's, it's been great. There were games yesterday. Just run, run you through uh, who the team... The games happened yesterday. Blackhawks, unfortunately, lost to the Knights 4-1. to one. The Tampa Bay Lightning went up <laughs> against Columbus. Oh, my goodness. Five overtimes. Five overtimes. Tampa ended up winning that one. There were supposed to be four games yesterday, but the Bruins game got pushed because the game went to five overtimes. It's an absolute marathon to keep playing. Lightning came out with the victory, and then the other one, uh, the Calgary, Calgary beat the Dallas Stars. So just lay out what the playoffs are looking like. So in the Eastern Conference, the number one seeded Flyers after the uh, seeding games will play the Montreal Canadiens, the 12th seed, who managed to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. Just incredible that the Penguins got bounced early like that. It's just, hmm. Came out of nowhere. That's def- I would say that's definitely the biggest upset. Forget the Blackhawks beating the Oilers. That's the bigger upset. The Mont- Canadians beating the Penguins. But uh, that, So that's the one 12 matchup. 
Uh, again, Tampa Bay Lightning are playing the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, in that, what do we got? Capitals against the New York Islanders is the number three, number seven matchup. And then the number four, number six is uh, the Boston Bruins against the Carolina Hurricanes. Funny that the Bruins are the fourth seed, considering they had the most points and the best record in the regular season. And, and then due to the, the seeding games, <laughs> dropped all the way to the four spot. Again, it doesn't hurt that much. Like, seeding would matter big time, maybe if you had home court. Well, home ice, technically, since it's hockey. But, you know, you're playing in a bubble. You're not playing in front of France. You just got to go out there and get the job done. So, uh, Bruins are still going to be dangerous at that four spot. Then we move over to the Western Conference. The one-seeded Vegas Knights going up against my Chicago Blackhawks. Didn't look good in yesterday's game, I can tell you that. It was very ugly. And I liked what Chicago was doing. They played great against the Oilers. So hopefully they can figure it out and bounce back in game two. Uh, the other ma- other matchup, the number two Colorado Avalanche go against the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, number three Dallas Stars, Calgary Flames. Like I said, Calgary won that yesterday. And uh, the next matchup, the St. Louis Blues against the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, hockey's going today, people. Playoff hockey. Tune in. If I'm going to recommend something to watch, uh, forget the basketball games tonight. Uh, Forget the games. Forget basketball tonight. mm, Let let me just check. We'll check it out real quick. Let's, Let's see what we're working with, huh? Got a game going on right now. Houston Rockets playing the Indiana Pacers. And then later tonight, Toronto Raptors against the 76ers. Miami against OKC. And then the Lakers. And then, excuse me, Clippers play the Nuggets. So, yeah, forget basketball and baseball for tonight, people. Go tune into playoff hockey. Go pay attention to it. Game going on right now. Washington leads the New York Islanders at the end of the second period 2-1. There was already a final Double overtime for the Boston against Carolina. Boston ended up winning it 4-3 to three as they now lead 1-0 in the series. Other games tonight, Arizona against the Avalanche, Montreal against the Flyers, and Vancouver against the Blues. So go tune into some hockey. NBC Sports Network, if you happen to get that channel, or you know what, do what everyone else does when they watch sports today. Go illegally stream it. You know, just type in a site. You'll find it. You'll find somewhere to watch it online without having to pay for it. Just make sure you have the internet connection. But ex- expand your horizons, people. You know, the important basketball games aren't till tomorrow. So go change, change what you watch. Go tune into some hockey. I bet you'll enjoy yourselves because it's an exciting sport. I'm trying to give it more attention. I'm not going to sit up here and act like I know who all the players are and everything like that, but I certainly enjoy watching it. I watched a little bit of the Knights... Blackhawks game yesterday, but it was a devastating, it was a dominant victory for the Knights, so I had to turn it off because I couldn't watch the Blackhawks play that horribly, but hopefully they bounce back. So, like I said, expand your horizons, people. Go watch some playoff hockey. Free plug for you, NHL. Pay me. And those are the five topics. Now, let's get to my unpopular opinion. And the only sport I didn't talk about today covered a wide range of topics from college sports to the NBA, NHL. I want to touch on another sport for my unpopular opinion, Major League Baseball. And when it comes to America's pastime, uh, there's some teams that stick out to you. You know, 
you have your really good teams, your really strong teams, teams with a lot of history. You know, Yankees, Red Sox, Chicago Cubs, Los Angeles Dodgers, a bunch of, bunch of good teams, Giants, some great franchises out there. But I want to talk about the worst franchise in MLB history. That's right. And the worst team in the Major League Baseball. Uh, forget this season. This isn't, we don't just go recency bias when we're discussing the worst team in Major League history. No, no. We take everything into consideration. And when you consider everything, when you put everything together and you really think about who the worst organization in Major League Baseball is, the team from the Pacific Northwest, the only team really in that area. That's right. The Seattle Mariners are the worst organization in Major League Baseball. Here's why. <laughs> Not only do they have the longest playoff drought in all professional sports, but they are the only team to never have been to the World Series. The Nationals were the only other team to not have been to the finals, uh, finals, to the World Series. But guess what? Nationals, they won last year. And now the Mariners hold the mantle of never having been. And remember, longest playoff drought ever. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2001. That was 19 years ago. I was eight, eight years old, and they, and they haven't been back since, and I'm 27. Time's a ticking. And don't think the Mariners have been terrible. They, they were added as a team all the way back in 1997. And, but don't think they haven't had talent. Like when you think about it, they have some of the most iconic players in league history. Ken Griffey Jr. was the first unanimous Hall of Fame choice. They've had Ichiro Suzuki, for surefire Hall of Famer. Randy Johnson, one of the most dominating pitchers the game has ever seen with his ability to throw that fast. The big unit, Edgar Martinez, and don't forget the ever-famous A-Rod. Alex Rodriguez, young A-Rod at that. They had young A-Rod. It's just, wow. And they're an embarrassment. An embarrassment. The Mariners have been to three American League Championship Series. You know, that's pretty good. You know, they managed to play in the Championship Series, but, oh, they lost it all three times. And the city has never experienced a Major League Baseball game beyond October 22nd. And they had their chances. Like I said, they made it to the American League Championship Series three times. Don't forget about Seattle's 1995 playoff run that may have saved baseball in the Pacific Northwest. But as memorable as that was, it didn't end in a World Series. Same for the 2001 team. The last time they made the playoffs in 2001, the Mariners set the record for the best regular season in Major League history. They won a whopping 116 games. 116 games. And, and correction, tied the Major League record. Still unbelievable. Still unbelievable they managed to do that. But, oh, guess what? Oh, they lost to the New York Yankees first in the divisional round, five games. Yeah. They, they lost. Actually, they made it all the way to the American League Championship Series. I stand corrected. At least they made it then. So the last time they were in the playoffs, they had a little success. They made it that far, but they lost to the Yankees, who then ended up losing to the 
Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series, but my goodness, how can you go this long without losing? How can you go this long? Every team has been to the World Series. Forget not even winning a world championship. They haven't even been to the World Series. It just, mm, mm, mm. Mariners. And will they ever be good? Just, <laughs> they were terrible last year. And again, even in the shortened 60 game season right now, they, they're 7 and 12. Five and a half back of the Athletics for first place. You know, plenty of time. You know, it's a, sh- it's a sprint, so maybe they can catch fire, but they have looked abysmal as usual. Gosh, I just can't believe playoff drought of 19 years. It's the longest playoff drought in professional sports. That's right. No other team has not been to the playoffs in that long. <laughs> oh, the Mariners, the Mariners, the Mariners. That's white. Worst organization in Major League Baseball. And that's the end of episode 24 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, you know, check me out on social media. Feel free to interact with me. Hit me up if you have, ever want to debate sports, talk about sports, happy to discuss it. Or reach out if you ever want to hop on an episode or two with me. I'm happy to uh, have people on as guest hosts or however we might do it. So let's plan it. And uh, that's all I got for today. And remember, during this pandemic, wash your damn hands. All right. I'm out. Peace.